Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Bricks and Mortar with Sarah Jackman. Today I'm joined by Jen Lehman, a co-founder and partner of Property Elite, RICS assessor and author of How to Become a Chartered Surveyor, a new book published by Routledge in August. Jen, many thanks indeed for joining me today and congratulations on the publication of your new book. Tell me a little bit about why you perceived there was a gap in the market for something explaining the route to becoming a chartered surveyor. Thanks for having me on uh, today, Sarah. Last year, actually, was when I started writing the book and um, looking at the advice that was already out there, obviously there's some great information on the RICS website, but it's all quite siloed. So, um, for example, you've got school leavers going, you know, I know a little bit about construction, but you know, they don't have a clue what a chartered surveyor is all the way through to at the other end of the spectrum for your senior professionals going, well, you know, I might be a finance director, an estates director, but they don't actually know that there is a route for them to become a chartered surveyor. So I think that that awareness and recognition that it's not it's just not your traditional graduate doing an RICS accredited course, doing some rotations and getting qualified. You know, there's so many different ways apart from that to become a surveyor and you know become involved in the property and construction industries so that's kind of where the book came from. Okay you make an interesting point there just just about you know lack of awareness and and I think that's a point that's often touched on that a career in the built environment perhaps isn't as well publicized as it could be Um, particularly I think um, at school age I think that's often referenced. Does that chime with your own experience? What what was your route into the industry? Well (laughs) so uh, I grew up with a dad who was a surveyor and a granddad who was a surveyor so I'd always been aware of what a chartered surveyor was. Probably at that age you know I spent the summer holidays going around shopping centres with my dad who managed shopping centres so I knew about a very specific area of surveying, but I probably never thought that's for me. Um, And I went off to university and did sports and exercise science, dropped out because uh, I just didn't feel like there was a tangible career at the end of it. So I had that conversation with myself to go, well, you know, what do I want to do? And the, the first thing that crossed my mind was, well, I know people who are surveyors. They enjoy it. You know, they have a really nice life. They do interesting things. They meet people. They travel. I love buildings. So for me, that was the the point where I went, well, surveying's for me. And at the time, the government still gave grants for part-time university courses. So maybe right time, right place. I found a part-time day release course, wrote a load of letters um, to local companies and it just fell into place that um, I found a surveying role for a sole practitioner in Bristol and got onto a course at UE. And from there, you know, that was my my um, journey into becoming a surveyor. Mm-hmm. Um, and just in terms of the support that you had to progress your career, I mean, who did you draw on and, and did you feel that, that you were aware of the places that you could go to to tap into more information and so on? Yeah, I think so. So in I think I spent maybe two years in my first role in um, just working with one person in a small office. Um, It's quite a small world. And, you know, I did agency work, landlord and tenant property management. And actually you build your network and meet, you know, you meet people from big firms, you meet landlords, you meet tenants and you suddenly kind of open your eyes 
to what Sylvain could be. And I think, you know, after a period of years, I kind of went, well, I'd like to get qualified, but I think I need to move somewhere else to get more experience. So I moved into a role in a, a big corporate in Bristol and I worked with my now business partner, Rachel. And I think that that exposure, that experience and um, probably the mentorship from her and colleagues helped me figure out what I enjoyed doing, what I didn't like doing. And that kind of shaped me to become qualified. And I guess in a in a big firm, there are sources of information, you know, things like the APC. I had the support from the university. I think oddly doing a part time course, there were three of us and it was five years. So each year we'd be with a different year group because we obviously fell behind as the years went on. So I probably didn't build the same connections at university as kind of your typical graduate would. So it was more of a case of, well, people I acted against on a rent review, go for a coffee with them, you know, and to build a network in a slightly different way. So it was an odd set of challenges. But yeah, I definitely had the support to get qualified. And I think without that, it can be a very difficult and very challenging and quite, um, quite a lonely journey for a lot of people. There are many more options now available for people who want to go into the industry. And, and I think we'll explore all of those as, as we go through this morning. But um, just thinking about the or two of the newer options, which are the apprenticeship and the T-level routes, really sort of the school leavers. Tell me a little bit about those routes and, and how they work. Yeah, so... Um... Let's just start with T-levels then. So um, T-levels are, are basically a vocational equivalent to A-levels. So um, they blend classroom learning and work-based experience. So I guess in a way it's almost like a pre-apprenticeship, but obviously between 16 and 18. Um, uh, one of the current subjects is design, um, surveying and planning for construction. So um, I guess in a way that's actually a really nice subject because it covers property, construction, design and whether that leads somebody into becoming a chartered surveyor or a structural engineer or an architect it gives you all those wider wider skills and wider knowledge and you know maybe in year 11 you go and do work experience for a week actually if you're doing t-levels and you've spent um i think it's a minimum of 45 days in the workplace it, it's an enormous amount of time that somebody aged 16 to 18 is going out to do uh, T-levels do give you cast points as well. So the the path after T-levels, you know, doesn't have to be any different from A-levels. And, you know, if somebody knows that they want to go and earn money and do a career rather than have the university experience necessarily, I think that's a really nice option. And um, hopefully schools and career services are starting to understand and, you know, be able to say, well, this T-level in surveying, you could go at, do X, Y and Z. And I think that's part of the snowball effect of a wider understanding of what surveying is. Apprenticeships. Wow. Just um, I think if an apprenticeship had been available when I started out, it would have been it, it was basically what I did, like a self-made apprenticeship. And the benefit from obviously for your employer having funding, obviously, you know, the university gets funding. Um, and more collaboration between the university, your employer, and then obviously the APC is an endpoint. It's a it's a really tangible, structured way 
you know, for somebody to go, I'd like, you know, I'd, I'd like to work. I also need to learn. And I think that career progression in it, the end of an apprenticeship, the amount of knowledge and experience that somebody has, you know, in a way, is that even better if you've gone to university and worked afterwards? You know, is it even better than doing a placement year? Um, you know, I think there's there's benefits to each, but I think apprenticeships are, are one of the best things that have come out of the, the last few years in terms of progression. There are a number of other the routes. Um, there's obviously the graduate route and and the progression then um, through through the APC route and so on. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that, which I guess is more of the traditional route? Yeah. Okay. So um, <clears throat> so I guess the simplest way to put it is um, everybody will probably have heard of the term structured training. So um, if you're a school leaver and you're going to university, you know you want to go to university. And get a surveying job your most sensible option is to do a degree that's RICS accredited the RICS have got a website that confirms which courses are accredited and basically that can give you the quickest route to becoming qualified so uh, with zero to five years of experience you've got two years structured training and then if it's five to ten years that's reduced down to one so an accredited degree if you if you know what you want to do early on that's a really good route to take. When somebody gets to over 10 years experience with an accredited degree, they do not have to do structured training. So it just reflects the fact that they're experienced. There's another route called preliminary review. And there's kind of two ways into that. And preliminary review is effectively a, um, a, your submission is assessed about six months before you submit it for the final time. So RICS, if basically it's if you don't have an accredited degree, so you might have an economics degree, it could be English, maths, anything. RICS review your work to say, yeah, you're of the right standard to go forward to assessment. There are also some other qualifications that lead to prelim review or straight to your letters, which are things like um, being a structural engineer. Um, there's a forestry qualification, there's MCIOB. So it kind of gives access to people with professional or educational qualifications that just aren't surveying related. And I suppose one of the things for listeners to appreciate is that there is a difference to becoming chartered. And just for people's understanding and clarity, can you set out what that means to actually become chartered? Yeah, so um, I I guess going back to basics, um, the term chartered surveyor is a protected title. So I think things like physio, uh, there's some other, you know, being a doctor of protected titles. So uh, it's protected because the RICS have a Royal Charter um, and the Royal Charter is to maintain and promote the usefulness of the profession for the public advantage. So uh, by getting MRICS or FRICS, you can then use that that really special title of chartered surveyor. So, you know, it should be generally quite well known by the public you know, professional clients will know what it means. And essentially, you have to go through a really stringent qualification process to be able to gain those letters. It's probably worth, just as a very brief side note, there is also the ASOT RICS qualification, which sits um, sits just, I guess, beneath um, our ICS, um, which doesn't confer the term chartered surveyor, but you're obviously a surveyor. 
um, and that's got slightly different qualification requirements but you one of the, the the big benefits of it is that you can register as a registered valuer so lots of assault rates residential space for example will do home surveys um, and work on mortgage valuation so I think that's just just worth pointing out. Okay so we've talked a little bit about the routes to getting there or, or some of, of the sort of earlier routes but there are also a couple of other routes um, for people who are already established within their careers, but might then subsequently decide that they want to become chartered. Do you want to just talk our listeners through through those? Yeah, of course. So there's three, um, I guess, lesser known assessment routes. So first two, let's say academic and specialist. Academic is if you're a researcher, a lecturer, a professor there's a route for you to become a chartered surveyor. Uh, there's also specialists. So that's if you have a very niche area of practice, um, you know, you're, you're at the leading the leading edge of that, you know, scope of practice. So um, I've worked with somebody who looked at housing defects. Um, you know, it could be that you're at the, the leading edge of fire safety and cladding issues. The third route, which is called senior professional. So uh, I mentioned straight to assessment before, which is for experienced surveyors. Um, and those are generally people who are doing the technical day to day work. By comparison, a senior professional will will be in a managerial role. They'll lead teams. Uh, they might head a company. They might um, be very high up in senior management, but they might not necessarily be doing day to day surveying reports, inspections, whatever it is. So there is an assessment for so non-surveying surveyors, if that makes sense. So yeah. management and leadership surveyors who can then become qualified. And that 10 years experience over that doesn't require a degree. So that's always quite helpful to know. Yeah. So we talked then a little bit about the main routes to qualification. What are the benefits to becoming chartered? I think probably just the, the first one is the personal one, which it's that, you know, I know the day that I qualified, it's that personal sense of pride that you know you've worked so hard to get these letters and seeing the letters at the end of your name you know is a great source of pride and um I've worked with quite a few candidates who who aren't under any pressure to get qualified but they're they are purely doing it for themselves um obviously there's also the benefits of salary increases there's quite a bit of research that shows that there's a difference between non-chartered and chartered surveyors salaries obviously things like career progression um if you're a valuer um, many mortgage valuers uh, lenders will require mrics or f to sign off yeah valuation reports and just you know showing to um particularly big corporate clients that you're qualified in um things like risk management for clients having having surveyors with the right qualifications will be really really important for them in that respect you talk about the benefits that you personally found of becoming chartered. Just in terms of what people can expect in terms of the journey and the time frame and, and the commitment that they need to make to, to that journey. I mean, what are the sort of expectations and the things that people ought to be prepared for? Yeah, so that's a good point. So um, the qualification process, it's not just about that final interview and that final submission. And in reality, you know, with a good six months and lots of time, you can prepare a submission, three months to prepare for interview. But I think the the commitment to getting qualified is much, much broader than that. And it's, 
you know, it's not something that your hand is held through and it's something that you need a commitment outside of working hours. You know, it's evenings, it's weekends, it's lunch times, it's before work. You know, it's about making sure that you're really market aware, you've got the right experience to fit your competencies. And I think without that real and um, that really intrinsic desire and commitment to put the work in, um, you know, think about how you act ethically, you know, how do you provide the highest standard of service, all those things. I think it's a very difficult challenge to achieve. I also think quite a few of the candidates I end up working with have been referred a couple of times before. And often it's 100 percent. It's not because they're a good surveyor. It's just because they've not had the right support. And I think in a lot of cases, it's kind of just reaching out and asking the questions. And if you feel that you don't have the support, go and find it. And so many surveyors out there, if you ask them for help, they will be 100 percent happy to share their experience and give you some time to get where you need to be. So it's a bit of give and take, but a lot of commitment. Yeah. Okay. And for anyone perhaps listening to this at the moment who's thinking that becoming chartered um, would be a good next step for them, or or indeed is thinking about a career in property and and moving towards one of those routes to qualification, what advice would you give to them in terms of next steps? Yeah, I think um, I think it probably depends where somebody is in their career um, so for example if you're looking at changing careers uh, you might already have a degree from 30 years ago that would give you a, a good access point to the APC so I think probably the first step is um, get your CV you know look at what you've done what's relevant what qualifications you've got and then go you know right back to basics on what route would work and things like apprenticeships um, they can be done by um, they're not age related so you could be 50 and do an apprenticeship for example so um, looking at all the different options available I'd also say um, go and find you know some work experience and uh, there's a great website um, company called the Land Collective who run uh, virtual internships um, and you know if you can just go get some experience to find out if it's right for you straight off the bat I think that's really important and then um, I'd say just speak to somebody who knows about the assessment process, you know, even speak to a recruiter about, you know, what jobs are available, what markets are doing well, um, and just go go into becoming a surveyor as informed as possible. So do, go and do your homework. Well, plenty there for our listeners to think about. So thank you, Jen, as always, for joining me today and very much wish you the very best of luck with the book. Thanks, Sarah. That was Bricks and Mortar with Sarah Jackman. For more on developing a career in real estate, see the archive of the Bricks and Mortar series at podbean.com and the EG archive at egi.co.uk.